RadioInfluence.com. You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In the Trenches. Ian Beckles coming back at you, and uh, we have plenty of uh, NFL talk today. Uh, our beloved Buccaneers still haven't been really all that active in free agency, and I'm not going to do you an injustice and start going over the names that we've signed because you don't know them because I don't know them. I don't even know some of the Buccaneers that we re-signed. I don't even know their names. So that's where we are with that. Um, are we going to be a better team this year? We're going to find out soon Soon enough. The draft is coming around the corner. The Bucks have the fifth pick. I guess historically uh, the fifth pick doesn't normally – it's not a lot of tr- it's not a lot of trades happening in that fifth pick. Although I would really like for the Buccaneers to to figure out a way to to trade down and um, you know get some more bodies, get some more football players. Because I think the problem we have uh, today is that we don't have enough football players. And I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I got an email. If anybody ever wants to email me any questions, Ian Beckles at radioinfluence.com. Uh, this is from, uh, Joel, Josh Peel. He says, I just want to let you know that In the Trenches podcast is my podcast highlight of the week. I look forward to it every week and enjoy each episode. Thank you. I appreciate that, Josh. And I appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, Pizza Lovers, another email that emails me quite often. And basically, we're going to talk about Jameis Winston here in a second. Basically, Pizza Lover wanted me to wanted to know why the allegations against Ben Roethlisberger maybe aren't talked about as much as uh, Jameis Winston uh, and and things that he's been through. Now, um, I don't have the answer to that. I do know this: a lot of things are media driven, and a lot of things are are built around success. Listen, Ben Roethlisberger, to be honest with you, there's been a lot of stuff said about Ben Roethlisberger in the past, and he's still held to a pretty high esteem. Um, the stuff that's coming out now with his former teammates, I take some merit to that. I mean, people just don't bash people on the way out for nothing. They don't. So you, you got to listen to them. And when everybody's saying that that's Ben's locker room and that's Ben, Ben is almost a coach, and those, those things aren't good in the locker room. I'm telling you they're not. And when the GM comes to his defense, um, I don't think that's a good look either. But why Ben Roethlisberger and Jameis Winston are not held to the same standards, uh, I don't have the answer for that. I'm just telling you a lot of things are media-driven. And other people have agendas. I don't. I try not to. I don't care. I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't care whether an athlete's white, black, Asian, or Pakistani. I don't care. I try to judge everybody the same. I can't say the same for all the media, okay? So when I read stories, when I'm prepping for the show, when I'm reading stories, a lot of things are written in certain ways to make you think certain ways, all right? I'll compare this to politics. The same thing can happen in politics, and you watch CNN, and you watch Fox News, and they're two completely different situations. It's the same in the media for athletes as well. But Jameis Winston, that stuff that happened in college, and listen, he wasn't he wasn't guilty of it, whether you like it or not. This is our system that we live with. Listen, you can't call, this is, this is our system. You really can't call uh, O.J. Simpson a murderer. You're not supposed to. Because our system says you're probably not, you, you, that, you, that you're not supposed to. Did he kill him? Yep. 
Could you call him a murderer? You can, but you're wrong because he got off of it. He got off of it. Did he kill him? Yep. But that's just the way it goes. So, I mean, I'd like to be able to answer that question a little bit better, but that's that's tough. I can't talk for everybody. Now, Jameis Winston in this offseason, I saw a video of him, and I thought he looked pretty lean doing some exercises, uh, plyometrics type stuff. But I guess he talked to um, you know some people in the media and said he wants to play at 250 this year. Um, I don't suggest that. I mean, at 220-something or 230-ish, uh, I thought he looked like a good enough athlete to endure the uh, the punishment. Let me tell you something, okay? 20 pounds doesn't help you endure punishment. It doesn't. It makes us slower. Like, Ben Roethlisberger is a tough dude, but he takes a lot of punishment. Body's beat down. Like, I, for me, Ben Roethlisberger should be lighter and then heavier. So, I don't, for some reason, maybe Bruce Arians thinks that he should be heavier. I, I don't. I like a spry quarterback that can move around a little bit, get himself out of trouble. Listen, I understand that you have to be successful in the pocket, but 20 pounds is not going to help you catch blows. You know what's going to help you catch blows is get get a better offensive line and take less hits and get the ball out of your hand a little bit quicker. So we'll see what Jameis does going into training camp. Um, at 250, I don't know what he was his rookie year, but he was puffy. He was retaining water. I don't. That's not a good look for me. So um, I don't know if he has a frame to hold two fifty that looks good. And if he comes, if he comes back two hundred and fifty pounds, rock hard and chiseled, I'm definitely gonna call him out. That is for sure. So the Buccaneers made history by uh, hiring the first full time female coaches in franchise history, and any franchise history. Um, the team added morale. Java DeFaris, not an easy name, as an assistant strength and conditioning coach, and Lori Locus as assistant D-line coach. Now, I was asked last week, what do I think of the signings? And I said, well, how can I think? I've never heard of them before. You know, well, what do you think about hiring a female? Listen, if you know what the hell you're talking about, I don't care what sex you are, but you better know what you're talking about. That ain't no place to walk into uh, half-assing something, okay? Because... If you're coaching the D-line, uh, those D-linemen, like JPP, has heard it, okay? So if you think you're going to add to anything that JPP has, you better come with some mad knowledge. I mean, as an offensive lineman, I had offensive line coaches, like my offensive line coach. I'll bring him up. Chris Forster is a great example. Chris Forster, the dude that's, uh, that snorts coke and sends the videos to uh, hookers, that guy, um, walked in the meeting room and Right away, like, I was an X's and O's guy. Like, I had to know what I was doing. It was important for me to know what was happening on the football field. And right away, he just didn't, he didn't match up. Like, I had uh, Carl Mock as one of my coaches. Uh, I had Bob Wiley, who is now the offensive line coach for uh, the Cleveland Browns. And they were X's and O's guys, and they knew exactly what to do. And this was their system. They knew it like the back of their hand. And Chris Forster came up there and tried to bullshit his way through some systems. And I put my hand up and I go, well, what if they do this? What do we do? And his answer was, I'll give you an answer at lunch. That's not a good answer. Because when you're on a football field and you're looking up and you're trying to decipher what's happening and nobody knows what to do even when you ask the coach, that means the system doesn't work. So, I listen, morale and Lori, glad to have you on board. If you're knowledgeable, get it. If not, we're going to know because the players are going to let you know. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're a woman, that's great. Like, if, you, if you're just hiring them just to hire a woman, I don't think that's groundbreaking. 
Okay, I just don't think that's groundbreaking. And it's, it, it seemed like he went out to hire women just because. If it works, great. If not, we'll, we'll definitely know. We'll find out. Now, Vinnie Curry heading back to Philadelphia um, with the great Deshaun Jackson. And you know what's going to happen? Vinnie Curry's going to play well. That's what's going to happen. It always works that way. And Deshaun Jackson's going to have a great year probably as well. So we will see. Uh, our Buccaneers, we've lost a lot. We haven't really filled in with a whole lot. And... Um, I'm concerned, we'll say. Well, I'm concerned that the draft can't do enough for us. Well, Bruce Arians just took this team over, and uh, I don't even know if he knew what was, what was coming because what's coming is it's not a lot of help at this moment. Now, the Buccaneers are interested in uh, joint practices between the Miami Dolphins and them. We used to do it every every uh, training camp, usually with the Dolphins, sometimes with Jacksonville. I think that's something that's necessary. Um, as a lineman, you know, when you're playing against the Bucks, the Bucks don't have big, burly defensive linemen. And we used to go to Jacksonville, and, you know, blocking those guys was a lot different than blocking Sapp and Culpepper and all those guys. So it was good to have a change. You know, the intensity always ramps up when you're playing against another team. And, uh, you know, there's always fights and those kind of things. So those are always, those are always fun in the offseason, that's for sure, or during training camp, that's for sure. Now, there's a, a future Hall of Famer just retired, uh, pretty much, I think it was like yesterday. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, nine years, uh, is going to be a Hall of Famer. You can probably argue one of the most dominant tight ends of all time. Uh, best, it's an argument. Like, Tony Gonzalez had the longevity and the numbers. And, like, Tony Gonzalez, I think, has, is number two in receiving at all times in any position. So you got to give him some votes. But, you know, as far as an individual um, and causing matchup problems, I don't think there's anybody, anybody like Ron, Rob Gronkowski. He almost uh, revolutionized that position like Lawrence Taylor to where, like, when you're playing against Rob Gronkowski, Six seven, you know, two eighty, whatever he is, long arms. What are you gonna do with him? What are you gonna put a linebacker on him? You gonna put a safety? They put the best corners on him. They've double teamed him. He was maybe the best I've ever seen catching the ball in a crowd, and his size was a, a problem. Now let me say this: you know, Rob Gronkowski is a competitor. I guess he was inquiring or asking the uh, Patriots, like maybe they can, you know, do him something where he can play a little less, not practice as much, and that's not really Bill Belichick's way. So he went on. Don't be shocked if you see Rob Gronkowski maybe halfway through the season trying to haul out a good team and maybe jump on somebody's team and maybe try to get another ring. Don't be shocked because. We saw Jason Witten last year pretty much poop on himself in Monday Night Football. That wasn't good. Uh, and then he just he had to go back. If it's not completely out of your system, it doesn't go anywhere. Like I've said before, my last year in Philadelphia, I played every snap. So it's hard to fathom that I played every snap, and then the year after, my career was over. I was on a couple training camps, but I never played again. So... Did I still have it in me? Hell yeah. I mean, it was hard for me it went right afterwards because I still felt I can play. And that went on for probably three years afterwards. So Rob Gronkowski's not out of the water because I know he's going to be on a bunch of boat parties and acting a fool and all that kind of stuff. But when training camp comes around and you have nothing to do, and you know, I think Rob Gronkowski's going to succeed regardless. It's maybe not so much for his brains as his personality. 
Uh, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be in wrestling or he's gonna be in acting or something. He's gonna do something. He's gonna make a bunch of money. But um, don't be shocked if you see Rob Gronkowski surface again in the NFL because I personally don't think it's out. It's out of his system. Now, there's a bunch of NFL meetings going on. I believe we're in Arizona, and they're talking about. Uh, there's always rule changes that go on uh, in, in all these meetings. And every year, something has to happen where they got to change all these bloody rules. I personally think the game is beautiful as is. But now they're talking about changing replay because of the pass interference that happened um, in that Saints game with the Rams. That's one play, everybody. Let's not change the whole freaking game for one play. They want to change that. Now they want to change the overtime rules because Mahomes didn't get a chance against Brady. Boo frickety who? Stop them on defense. You let them drive all the way down the field and score, then you don't deserve to win. Win the coin toss and you would have you done the same and you wouldn't have bitched about it. This is, they keep on changing overtime. Overtime used to be first score. Then overtime, and I believe it's safe this way. You score a touchdown, you lose. The other team loses. You kick a field goal, they have a chance to come back. I mean, that's pretty fair to me. If your defense can't stop them from driving down the field in one drive, then you don't deserve the win. But they always want to change the rules just because. The pass interference, okay, it was a bad, a missed call, all right. But we have to sit and watch them look at every pass interference. Come on, let's not do that to ourselves. Those referees are sitting in front of that damn TV too much because they have to give them a limit. Sometimes they're standing for five minutes. It seems cut and dry, but we're wasting our goddamn time. Let's not do that. Let's not do it. Let's not mess with a game that I believe has been beautiful for a long time. So every year at those meetings, they always try to change a little this, a little that. We'll see what comes out of it. Hopefully nothing comes out of it. Let's hope. Uh, Last year... Uh, the targeting and there's so much crap going on in, a, in a, this game. There was just too many penalties as it is. There's too many penalties as is in the NFL. Now the drafts come around the corner. The Bucks have number five. Um, talking, listen to everybody talk about the number one pick it was going to be Kyler Murray. I talked about Haskins. I tell you, I watched Drew Locke uh, throw the ball the other day. It was pretty damn impressive to me. A kid that's been playing in the SEC for a few years, understands the game. Like this Kyler Murray, a guy who's 5'10", started one year in a, in a defenseless division. I don't know, man. I mean, oh, what about Baker Mayfield? Okay, that's one dude that had one season and won seven games. Now, Baker Mayfield's not a pro bowler now. He still has a lot to learn. So Kyler Murray's going to benefit from what Baker Mayfield did last year. But boy, you're taking a chance on a five foot ten guy who started for one year. Okay, same with Haskins. I mean, Haskins is a big, tall guy, got a lot of ability, but just didn't play a lot of football. That's a lot of money and a lot of future of your organization to put into one person to get you out of it that just hasn't played a lot of football. So the Buccaneers are at five. I don't think they have to worry about that. They don't worry about uh, quarterbacks, but. There are so many maybe game-changing defensive linemen in this draft. Allegedly, I don't know that. But the way it looks, I mean, this is a heavy, heavy defensive line draft. I sure would like the Buccaneers to come out of this thing with two defensive linemen in the first in the first round. I think that'd be wonderful. Other than that, I mean, to me, pass rush is maybe the most essential thing in this Buccaneer defense or any defense. You can't rush the passer. 
you can't play in this NFL. Not with these offenses. Um, and we haven't really rushed the passer since Monty Kiffin and Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice and those guys. And that's becoming a long, long time ago. I mean, a long time ago. But I appreciate you guys listening in. This comes out every week. There's still a lot of things to talk about here in the offseason. And uh, I'm always looking up for some, you know, odd stories here and there. Uh, mostly we talk about our Buccaneers and the moves that they're going to be making. Once again, if you want to email me, ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. I can read your email on air or on the podcast. And uh, we can go from there. But I appreciate you guys are still caring about the lovely sport of football. I love the game, and it's never going anywhere for me. And I will thank you guys for all listening to the podcast. Uh, Ron and Ian show on every day or Monday through Friday, 6.20 a.m. and 95.3 FM, 3 to 7. Tune into that. Tonight we'll be at Amelie Arena watching our beloved Lightning get things on. So have a wonderful day and have a wonderful week, and please be safe. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. I want to start with the free agent do's and don'ts. Talk to you a little bit about the process. During the course of the year, uh, it's a process of your coaches evaluating your own team, your pro personnel department evaluating your own team, and your pro personnel department evaluating every player in the league, every other team and every player in the league. So it's their job to be experts on who's playing well, who's got value. You, You add in the component of the health information that you have, the medical information that you have, any character information that you have, any off-the-field situations, salary cap situations, uh, you know, contract situations, so on and so forth, and you have a good feel for it. Now, as the season gets over and you do your due diligence on your players, which that's been done already, and you also get your coaches involved in players around the league that they think and how they compare with those players to the rest of the team. So, you know, the self-evaluation process for NFL teams is never as easy as they might fans might imagine. Identifying the problem is only the first step. By the time the offseason begins, they've you've had all the internal evaluations, all the statistical analysis, all the analytics, and you know, you you construct that big board in your pro personnel side to where you see you know, how your players stack up against the rest of the league. And then who's pulling his weight? Where might there need to be an upgrade? What is the reason for the problems? And, you know, why are you getting beat over the top? And whose talent isn't matching up to the cap hit? Who's, who's ready to carry a heavier, a heavier load? And who's starting to decline? And just, you know, as opposed to just who might have just had an off year. Those questions have to be answered thoroughly. Chris Landry brings you Landry Football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.